There are so many questions surrounding Liverpool Football Club at the moment. Why are they 14 points off Arsenal already? Why is Trent the scapegoat while Van Dijk is getting away with murder? And the biggest question of all, has Klopp got the answers to turn things around? What we do know and what we've seen for the very first time in the face of Klopp at the weekend was there's a little bit of pressure. Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show in a week where Erling Haaland only scored one goal. The Liverpool struggle is well and truly a reality and Ronaldo gets a 700 club goal. Joining me as always is David Bugle and Neil Dobbs from thebigkickoff.com. And Dave, we're going to start with you. Liverpool dropped more points at the weekend. Where's it all going wrong? Oh, sure. We're getting in badly, so it doesn't matter. Seeing <laughs> um, as he's crying off now, pardon me. <laughs> That's another story. Uh, rumours to be believed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there's nothing going wrong. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, yeah. Look, I was there on on Sunday. It was absolutely unbelievable. Um, I was in the Arsenal side section, so it was a bit weird. Kind of having to be subdued, half pretending to be excited when they're scoring, but. Um, the atmosphere and the feeling around the ground, there's a buzz without a shadow of a doubt. And then talking to a few of the lads afterwards, like they said, yeah, they haven't felt like this probably, maybe not even in the Emirates. Like this is when they were winning uh, consistently. Like there's a proper buzz and a belief in, in what they're doing and they're not getting overly excited in terms of saying they're going to win the league or anything like that. But there's a definite hope torn. But in terms of Liverpool, you know, apart from maybe the second half of the first half, Liverpool were half decent, looking like they were kind of putting a squeeze on but other than that it wasn't too much like Arsenal kept them in the game I think um, the second goal I don't know what it looked like on TV that Liverpool got was incredibly easy five, five, five six passes that were very straightforward with little or no um, uh, little or no interference from Arsenal and it was an easy goal it was, it was really weird it was, like when you're watching it from there it was just so weird it was like a FIFA goal it was just A, B, C, D, E goal it was very strange very easy but um what it looked like from where we were once again uh, and I I've been saying it since before the season started so I've no problem repeating myself but everyone else well not everyone else but a lot of people are jumping on it now because it's the quick the quick and easy thing to do and it gets them away from facing up to the fact that they have to admit they're wrong about one or two players but midfield again like the legs weren't there and you know it just stuck out a mile once, uh, like Arsenal were able to get some defence to attack very easy. And then, of course, the back line were exposed again. Um, it was very, very strange to see. The most impressive players were Firmino when he came on. Um, he looked good above the rest of the team. And actually, Nunes looked okay when he was there. He was very strong. Um, I'm not going to compare him to anybody, absolutely not, because he wouldn't uh, lace their boots at the minute. But very strong and looked impressive and obviously got the goal. But... Uh, it's 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 obvious and it's clear. Uh, midfield is seriously lacking to support the back line because up front they're still quite potent. They can still score goals, but it leaves that back line incredibly exposed, and that's and you could see it from a mile because you, there was only the two of them. The lads aren't going to give you the backup. Your Salas and Jotas and they work hard and they do it a little bit, but they're not going to do that dogged work when when they don't have the ball and. Um, the two boys just didn't have the legs and I think that's half the reason why some of the crap came on at the end I think there was a lot of frustration and a lot of tired legs 
when you look at some of the players, Neil, Trent, Salah, these seem to be the ones who are getting it in the neck. Are they the wrong players to be getting it in the neck? Um, I just think the amount maybe that Trent has gotten in the neck is wrong. I, I definitely think he's as culpable as all the rest of them, but it is a team game. And, you know, you win as a team, you lose as a team. But I think Van Dijk seems to get away with it. Even Thiago seems to get away with it a certain amount. And Mo Salah mm-hmm. has been getting away with it for, I don't know, since last Christmas when he came back from the AFCON, a broken man. So, yeah, I, I think the Trent thing is a, like a, a little sideshow going on because it's easy to pinpoint them when he's mm-hmm. when you're conceding goals and they come from the right-hand side. But, you know, I, I was just thinking there, listen to Dave, that this time last year, we were, you know, criticising Arsenal when they were beginning to get it right, saying that the spine of their team was really, really good and they were beginning to get it better. And that was with Gabriel and maybe Ben White going in there. Then Odegaard came in and, you know, they got rid of Aubameyang. We're saying the spine of their team is right. Liverpool don't have a spine of their team at the moment because Van Dijk, Alisson is performing brilliantly. Van Dijk is not performing. The people ahead of him, which you won't say a spine, but Thiago and Henderson, are way off the mark. Um, and then ahead of him, you know, Jota is playing in behind Nunes. So there's a lot wrong with the Liverpool team at the moment. There's a lot wrong with the lineup, the way they're working for each other. And for me, I think you have to put it with the experienced guys. So for me, Van Dijk, Thiago, Henderson, Salah have to take a huge amount of the burden. Neil, I'll say this because Dave was at the game, so he may not have seen the face of Jurgen Klopp. But for me, it did look like it, there was a bit of pressure on him. It did look like he was scratching his head a little bit because he, I think he's finding it hard to understand how it's not working the way it was working. How does Jurgen Klopp change things? As you said, you talked about the players there, but they're the players he has. Yeah, and I think, look, we're after, he's after getting more bad news today that Matip is, is, has picked up a small niggle. I don't think it's that serious. And Louis Diaz, who's been your shining light since the start of the year, is now out until Christmas. And so it, yeah, and Trent. So that's a, it's like a double hammer blow he's after getting. And, you know, with the games coming every four days now, between now and the, the World Cup, there's not a whole lot you can do and, and you're dead right the, the camera caught him a couple of times in interviews in between questions where he just looks bemused bewildered he just doesn't know what to say and he's having to repeat himself rinse, wash, repeat every kind of three days and the pre-match is saying look we have to find something and we have to change and we have to do this that and the other at the end of the day the players on the pitch have to do this that and the other he needs to send them out with orders he's after changing the formation to try and help them it kind of looked like it was okay in, in fits and starts, but it was against Rangers. So you couldn't really tell against, you know, the difference between Rangers and, and bloody Arsenal is chalk and cheese. So he's going to have to go back to the drawing board. He's going to have to be, like, I mean, I'm not even thinking about the Rangers game tomorrow night. I'm thinking about how the hell we're going to do and handle Manchester City next weekend. And does Klopp have anything else in the tank that he can move this formation to stop Liverpool from conceding so many goals and it's, 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 it's going to be very intriguing for Sunday Dave two years ago Liverpool had a rocky start as well they came good what did he do then what do you see that he can change now uh, patience um, I think he just needs to maybe reset um, some of the expectations he's kind of writing off the league and I think he should and I think it should be a bit of a there's a few issues now again with more injuries. The front line haven't really been able to settle now to find out exactly what it is. And maybe, um, yeah, we have to take our medicine this year and uh, get a bit more resolute and 
be awkward and um, be a team again that people don't want to play against because the confidence is slipping within the team but then the the confidence is increasing with anyone who's playing us and starting to fancy us again well you know last year games were over before they started because Liverpool had that kind of presence um, so I think it's a basics obviously Rangers was a great game to play last year last week to kind of try that new formation and then obviously one or two things kind of went against us on, on Sunday but at the same time the consistency of uh, 90 minutes just wasn't there again it was fits and sports um, unfortunately you know missing a few now he gets to do it again against Rangers probably gets another fill of confidence however you know it's probably going to get bashed, bashed again at the weekend so it's, it's like the games are coming thick and fast so um, it's very hard to rip up your plans for a season but uh, maybe just um, tap into a bit of the ego of the team and a bit of the pride of the team and somehow just be a little bit of a pain in the hole to beat for a while and then slowly but surely kind of find a way he knows uh, they've been conceding goals he's been admitting that but you know yourself this is ruthless and if you have to kind of really change a system it might take a little bit longer than a week or two but once again you know everything has to be labelled and the pressure on any manager is relentless you know we were all asked for Cooper to go and now he's got the new contract but uh, you know maybe just uh, take your medicine and uh, yeah just get a little bit tighter and a little bit tougher to beat and uh, maybe a born in all draw which sounds impossible because we can see goals but something like that at the weekend could be exactly what, what's needed yeah, I mean, I think his motivational skills are going to be stretched to the limit now because yeah. that's exactly what they they need to do. Just to finish off on it, Neil, when there's been a lot of comments. Obviously, you get fans who are you know still back in Liverpool and and Klopp and etc. But there will be the fans who will question certain things. Um, one of the things that came up uh, during the, the week was Mo Salah and how he has applied himself since he's got his new contract uh, there's, there's talk of uh, Aubameyang like issues with him with his contract do, do you think that's a case probably not really in his makeup is it or does it affect people still uh, I think it can affect people I think the contract situation affects every pro that are, in particular when Salah signed that contract he's basically saying he is going to give what he hoped would be his well, hopefully not his, <laughs> the last of his best years but his best years to Liverpool or his neck if that was it like that is his big move gone he'll, he'll never go again to another club in Europe for example he was basically signing on the dotted line so I, I think he was serious and he waited and he said look be patient and I'll do the right thing and at the time I thought he did the right thing I don't think it coincides with signing the contract because as I said earlier I think that his his slump in form happened when he played like 100 bloody games last year which was the African Nations who were beaten in the final he was very dejected. He came back and immediately went into the Liverpool side, didn't really play great, and then for the rest of the season wasn't quite the Mo Salah that we've seen in the first half of the season. But then, you know, you're reminded of the Mo Salah in the first half of the season, who was bloody electric, who you wouldn't contemplate life without in Liverpool's team. So it's amazing how quickly, you know, your perception of a player can change in the, in the space of like six to nine months. Um, my concern with Salah at the moment is and it's maybe you guys can answer this one but for the weekend you're going to play against Manchester City he's going to have he won't have Diaz but he'll have Jota who can slot in on the left I think he kind of has to start Nunes now after that kind of game last weekend Firmino I think might have to start as well how do they accommodate both the question mark is all of a sudden what do you do with Mo Salah do you pull him out of the limelight a little bit do you 
left him, which is a big, big point. But I think he made a big point in leaving Henderson wide right uh, while chasing a goal on Sunday. So the big dilemma for me is what we're going to do with him going forward. I'm not too worried about the contract. I don't really... Yeah, I'm not buying into that. He's abandoned because of the contract. I think he's a model pro. It's just a question of how they get him, get something else out of him and, and quick because they really, really need him now. No, like I, I know you. I know fans won't have the patience because you have to have an answer within the next game, you know. But I think what will be a very interesting Bromart with Salah is what you see like in January after the World Cup. He has the time off, a bit like Haaland, you know what I mean? And will he will it be used properly? Because I said at the start of the year, and I, I even heard um, Joe Malloyan off the ball saying something similar, and it's kind of like, yeah, at least somebody else has noticed. I think Liverpool are incredibly leggy. Like from very early on in the first few games, which was weird because they were so sharp in the. I thought they were so sharp in the charity shield, and I don't know. Um, yeah, a few of the lads are not ready to go back to the well and do it for sixty out games, and um, you know, having to do the grind because Liverpool. What you have to remember is with Man City, they're doing the grind and winning the trophies, the big big trophies. Liverpool have been doing the grind and getting the runners up medal, and that could be that, that could be tough going to do it all again in order to come second, you know, and. Um, you know, that says a lot about the attitude and that's where the manager has to come in now and get it going. But I'm just wondering, are some of the lads just not ready to get the legs motoring there? Uh, and, and and that's what's going to be interesting. I think Arnold is one of them as well, incredibly leggy from early on. I, personally, I think it's because he has to do too much work, too much of bombing up and down. And like you've seen the goal where against United, the 1-2 where he's flat footed. That was only after 15 minutes. And I thought he looked dead. And I thought he looked dead in a lot of games. And I'm just wondering... If, if the tank empty and then also are they willing to go to the well again and, and grind and grind for potentially another runners-up medal it, it's, that, that's a tough ask but that's where Klopp has to come into it now and um, somehow find a way Yeah, and we'll come back to Klopp again some other day Dave you were at the game mm. Arsenal title contenders yes or no? No because it's an easy point are Arsenal going to get 90 odd points this year? be honest no and I think the majority of Arsenal fans know that City will therefore that's the biggest reason City are going to keep this form for the entire season are Arsenal I'm not too sure just yet um, I'm not writing them off 100% but deep down going to your head you, there's only one team you're going to back because they've been doing it for four or five seasons Arsenal haven't and even in the year of the Invincibles they didn't do it and that was arguably one of the best seasons ever personally I would say when you get 109 points is better regardless but I just that's that's the ultimate reason why I would say no. I think they're, they're perfectly within their rights to get into the eighties and be probably the best of the rest. But I I can't see any other team consistent. Like I can't see any other team getting into the nineties this year. That's why for now I would say no. But an incredible, uh, um, incredible upward trajectory in how that performance without a shadow of a doubt. Did anyone impress you for Arsenal? Yeah. Um. Uh, don't, say, don't say Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no Saliba, but it was more as it was more as a group. Um, Saka looked sharp, and um, Saliba was incredibly strong. Very, for the want of a better word, Van Dijkish. Uh, in the first few years when he came to Liverpool, just has that presence and has a bit of a nice bullying attitude. Strong, physical. Um, Tommy Gasso even played well out on left back. Midfield or solid, Shaka again kind of did the donkey work and kind of the unassuming work that you might see on TV. So it was more kind of a team effort, but uh, Saliba definitely seems like uh, he's kind of galvanised that back line to be fairly mean. Um, 
And then obviously, uh, I thought Xhaka was very impressive with a lot of the legwork that he did. And, but then again, maybe it was easy against the boys. But yeah, it was more of a collective than anything, Roy, I'll be honest with you. No one jumped out solely, if you know what I mean. But uh, my Christ, do, uh, do they love Saliba? And, and, and do you know what it is? It's probably the song. <laughs> I've been singing it for the last two days. It's to the tune of Tequila. Oh, was I did, didn't even know that. <laughs> I yeah. wasn't even at all. Give us a bar, Man City, Dave's given them the league. I think we all kind of gave them the league with Erling Haaland mm. there. He only got the one at the weekend, but that just shows you with the likes of Cancelo, Foden and Mares getting on the, the, the she score sheet and hundreds of other chances that when they play the likes of Southampton and teams of their ilk they're just going to roll through all these teams aren't they? Yeah and I, I, well look obviously from an opposition kind of fan perspective it's very disappointing but I haven't seen a fair factor like this Roy since, the, since Man United in their pomp under Ferguson when mm. you know managers would be interviewed before the game on a Saturday you know when they used to do the 12 o'clock kickoff and the manager would actually come out pre-game and go, oh, listen, you're at Old Trafford. Wouldn't it be great to get out of here without conceding three? It used to really drive me nuts at the time. But um, I, I, I'm probably I'm, I'm critical a little of Southampton because they left themselves so completely wide open. But maybe I should be giving Ralph Hasenhutl a little bit of credit that he at least tried to press them and do something that no one else has done so far this season. Fair enough, they still shipped five goals or whatever, but, you know, they probably would have conceded them in any way. Um, but it's looking like teams are beaten before they even get onto the pitch. Even their attitude now, you know, it's Erling, Haaland and City are just going to win everything. But it just feels so inevitable that even when this season teams got a 2-0 lead against them, that you just were waiting for City to come back. And it did happen once or twice, but... They're just a different class at the moment. And to add insult to injury, you look at the lineup they played for the Champions League tonight, it was a team of nobodies. When I say nobodies, probably the second or third best team in the Premier League. And yeah, they rested all their stars for the weekend. So they're absolutely you know, where you want to be with a team of that resources and a team of that foresight with the manager that you want. You know, everything's just coming up brilliant for them at the moment. Dave, Newcastle United hammered Brentford at the weekend, 5-1. Where can they go? Can they hit top four in this league? Because they're going quietly about their business, but they're doing it fairly efficiently. Yeah, of course they can. Uh, it'd be a bit like our opinion of, well, it'd be a bit like my opinion of, say, Arsenal and Spurs last year when they were going for the top four. I think Arsenal will maybe, will they have the experience, will they have that little bit of next that would be where I think if Newcastle might struggle, uh, if they're up there or thereabouts, as they currently are, that's where they just might struggle with when it really comes down to the pressure stakes and uh, the second half of the season. Will they be able to do it in those awkward away games where every point is uh, vital? Will they have it in the togs for the fight? Because everything's rosy at the minute. However, they still have only won three games. Granted, they're harder to uh, harder team to beat and have gone a bit more noisily in defence. Um, they still have, they've only lost one game. But I'm not going to get overly excited about beating Brentford because I'm not going to get overly excited seeing as Liverpool bet Bournemouth 9 0 and Bournemouth are two points ahead of them. So, <laughs> you know, it's exactly. So, like, it's just a great day, a great win, and it could be the confidence boost they need to really kind of get in there and mix it for the European spots. But Champions League, 
maybe a, a season too far and another couple of transfer windows to really build it up with the, with a bit more because like up front they're brittle obviously with Wilson in and out of the side all the time and a bit of inconsistency in their 11 and that might be a bit of a factor for them as well but if they keep everyone fit obviously they're going in the right direction considering the form of last year and their current form but uh, let's let's not get too hasty here and maybe compete for the, the lesser known European competition potentially Neil I think the centre forward role is still the position that Newcastle may be struggling in as Dave has said, Wilson is, is a constant injury, injury prone. I suppose. Who would you look at? They, they had the Ivan Tony facing the man scoring against him at the weekend. Would he be a good fit? Yeah, I think he'd be a good fit. Um, I think Newcastle at the moment just need to add strength and depth, and I mean that has to be their their game plan for the next maybe two to three windows. I think they've done very well. They brought in Botman, they brought in Gomez, and you know. They just need to add that little bit of extra quality. Now, Callum Wilson, I still think, is a really good number nine. But just as you say, because you can't rely on him season long, they need to find that kind of X-factor attacker. I know, you know, it's easy to say with Manchester City, but the kind of day they signed Sergio Aguero for crazy money, it was that moment where you're like, well, they really are gone up several levels now with that one mm. sign and now I think Newcastle are maybe a year away from maybe even longer than making that ilk of a signing but they definitely need if they want to go up and start competing with the top four they're going to need to start bringing in that level of star and I mean even if you look at the likes of the Spurs now at the moment like you know they've got some big name players that you would consider uh, bigger than Newcastle same with Arsenal um, but I'm actually even looking at their midfield here like they had Longstaff and Willock either side of Gamera's so they need to, again, add a little bit of quality maybe left and right of him as well. You know, they've got the X factor um, in their team when uh, Sam Maximum plays. But uh, it's going to be interesting the next window or two. Can they keep just going up that extra notch? You know, um, as I say, before Manchester City went up that notch, they were buying into less cuts before they were buying into the better, more expansive players. So maybe they need to go through two or three phases before they reach the top. But... Um, yeah, I think they're they're exactly kind of where they should be right now without, I think, flattering to deceive. But the question is, can they give up that extra level in the next two windows? Dave, Ronaldo scored his 700 club career goal at the weekend. Good finish, came off the bench, wins the game for them. Yeah. The question is really... Do Manchester United look to keep him till the end of the season? Or as rumours are going around, which have been going around since May, I suppose, do they let him go in January? Yeah, like when you, once I heard the rumours there in the last week or two, in my head straight away when you ask that question, like, just let it go, just get rid of the soap opera um, and start the project because he's not the future of the project and he's not even the beginning of the project because it's just it's just one of them harsh realities with himself and, and, and Messi, they're just getting there. Um, don't be surprised if you see one or both retire from international football potentially after these World Cup and maybe the beginning and the end potentially um, in that sense yes but at the same time then look what he does the other day so it's it's that dilemma it's that kind of uh, Sophie's choice almost do you keep a player who can still <laughs> score goals or do you get rid of that distraction where people are kind of constantly going to be bringing up even though you know it's not going to be forever and how much of a hindrance is it going to be? Well, all accounts, he doesn't seem to be upset the apple too much. You're not hearing too much uh, crap going on within the team or within the dressing room with him. But at the same time, 
you know, now there's talk of wanting to get out in January. And if that's the case, and if it's true, Ten Hag should go, right, here's my chance. Good luck. But um, you're also then torn about what, 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 like, you're, you're potentially missing out on 20 odd goals. What do you make of Ten Hag now? Uh, I I think he's had um, the honeymoon period is is kind of over now as in the Liverpool results kind of gave them a a, a real foothold and I think it earned them a little bit of respect and it earned them time and it earned them you know all them little things that he wanted in order to put his kind of fingerprint on the team Uh, I still think he's a long way to go insofar as Davis saying there the Ronaldo thing isn't going to go away every transfer window if he's even rested for a game or rested, he's dropped for a game, it's going to stick out. So I think if you were if you were Ten Hag right now, you'd be thinking, just go, if I can do it nice and quiet, give you your dignity, your respect, etc. He doesn't need to be answering questions about him every week. You know, why did you not bring him on against City? Why did you not this, that and the other? He just, they, need, they really need to move on to the next chapter. You know, you look at United's team, They've got Sancho, they've got Anthony, they've got Malassia, they've got all these young lads coming in now. And then they've got the experience of Casemiro coming in there. They, they need to kick on. And I, I just can't see them kicking on when there's always a question mark, Rashford or Martial versus Ronaldo. Um, and I, but I still think he's done well enough. Um, the question is now, can he kick on? They're still, I, I don't want to say they're negative football, they're still counter-attacking. I'm very interested because his IX team weren't exactly like that. They were a good football inside. Again, can he get them to the next level with maybe the next transfer window um, and bring them on football-wise that they're taking the game to teams rather than hitting them on the counter-attack? Yeah. Okay. Neil wanted to bring up a bit of a discussion. He kind of wants to know how good is Saka, Martinelli, Kulicheski, Gallagher and Gordon? Dave, which one of those would you sign for Liverpool if you had the chance? Um, Saka, Martinelli, Kulishevsky, Gordon. Was there another one? Gallagher. 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 Instinctively, I went straight away Saka um, because I like what he's doing. I like he's a young, impressionable English player who can, like a lot of English players, can disappear quickly um, or grab it and go. And I think he's grabbing it and going in the right direction and not kind of fancying the smell of themselves the way a lot of them do when they get to the mere ages of 19 and 20 because their already career is over and they hit their peaks. Um, but obviously with our current plight in midfield, you probably have to, I'd probably have to plumb for Keller. I think he's uh, been quite impressive, very energetic, can do a bit of everything and obviously get a few goals and, and help uh, uh, pick up some of the slack from the forward line when, when times are hard. So it would be a toss-up between them two, I think. But instinctively, I was thinking Saka because I really like what he's doing. But Liverpool's current play, I would take Gallagher. But I think overall, yeah, I think I have to go sack. I really like what he's doing. I think he could be their England's next kind of big go-to player um, and somebody to lean on as as a, as a potential star. Yeah, for me, Martinelli, I I love for the last couple of years. Just any time he's been on the pitch, he always look fresh, exciting, full of energy and he's got a, a real killer instinct in front of goal and if it was for mm-hmm. a Manchester United team coming in off the left-hand side there is he better than Sancho? Yes. Is he better than Rashford? Well, probably. Um, but then again, Rashford is a good player so it's uh, touch and go but I definitely be having Martinelli. He's a, he's a, a really good player. Neil, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I really want to discuss this more or less because I was curious in your boy's thoughts on Gordon in particular uh, because he's been touted for a lot of money and I watched the Everton Man United game the other day and I saw absolutely nothing from him and I'm kind of going, I don't know, was it just a one-off, was it that type of game, I'm not sure. Uh, even Saka, listen to Dave there talk about him, I do, his energy is unbelievable, Like he's, he will get up and down that line but he's not kind of a traditional take a player on He's just really good at link, give and go, run in behind type of player. I don't know where, you know, for Liverpool, I wouldn't be looking to replace Mo Salah with him quite yet anyway. But Martinelli, I think, is there's something special about him. He's got that kind of X factor. Uh, when he goes at a player on the wing, he really goes with great intent, great physicality. And the goal like he got where he sent Henderson and Trent Alexander to <laughs> literally running down the sideline and then squared it was a little piece of class. So I feel he's got maybe the highest kind of ceiling of of all of them that he can he can go on another level and really be a star for Arsenal. Yeah, Dave. He trialed at United four times, Martinelli. Did not, did he? Yeah, that came out today. I was like, there's a picture of him with Pogba maybe that's what it was yeah yeah. <laughs> um, when, when he was about 14 or 15 but uh, in relation to Gordon if that's what you're interested in instinctively for the last while uh, you know Wayne Rooney was kind of a freak player like a lot of players like your Messi's and Ronaldo's but Gordon I would be afraid that he's in Franny Jeffers Danny Catamartry and the one who bored me big time Ross Barker he bored me so bad I really thought he was good and he just disappeared into the sunset <laughs> that's where I fear Gordon to be I'll be honest with you I don't like the way obviously he's a bit of a diver he's a bit of a moaner and you're just kind of going you're a bit young for all this kind of malarkey I'm, that's where I'd be afraid compared to like as I said I think Rooney's just one of them kind of he's a, he's a what do you call him a unicorn, you know, he's just one of them once in a blue moon kind of lads that come along and uh, he's not the norm. The other guys that I mentioned there, like, that's what I fear with God, that uh, he might go that way. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that Chelsea were, were going to sign and they were touting 40 to 50 million mm-hmm. and you're kind of going, what? Where did that money come from? But maybe yeah, I have Chelsea yeah. playing fancy football. Yeah, yeah I mean... It- he, I've seen him in, in a few games. He is a talented player. He is decent, but he, he doesn't stand out anymore, as we said, than Martinelli. Or he's not even at the level that Martinelli's at. So, is it because he's English? Is it because he might have sell-on value if 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 he does sort of move on? I'm not sure. But again, it was Chelsea, and we've seen what Todd has been all about since he's got there. So. I wouldn't quite be. I wouldn't quite be working everything out on on his basis and and what he thinks is a player is worth at the moment. But there's definitely a, definitely a player in there, and I think I think he'd do well to stay with Everton for a couple of years and 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 learn his game and you know maybe see what he can do there. Just to finish off, Neil Frank Lampard and what he's doing there. He's he has definitely steadied the ship. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think they were just very sloppy against Man United in the weekend, as in the, the goals they could see, they just looked like something off at under-15s. But and for the most of it, I think he's gotten, you can, you can say by hook or by crook, by luck or not, but uh, his signings have actually gone his way. They got Mope in because they needed cover so badly after losing Richarlison. I'm not saying Mope's going to score a lot of goals, but they definitely needed another target man in there. 
Um, Onana seems to be a decent sign. He's coming good. He's moved Bobby. Wobie into the middle of midfield. Onana. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so Wobie's looking better in the midfield. Um, but I think their best sign, and, and it'll be, I think it's a really cracking sign, and it was uh, Idrissa Gay in the middle of midfield. That's really after bringing up the kind of standard of his midfield. If I was critical about that last year, it's that they had no kind of creativity or no kind of mobile go-to guy. And I think he's going to have a real good season for them. Um, but he's he's recycled the fullbacks as well. He's moved Coleman out and he's moved on to younger. I know he's injured at the moment, but they've moved on. So he seems to be getting things right. But I think them two signings, uh, Gay and Mope, really will turn his fortune on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Dave and Neil, thanks very much. It's Champions League week. Every week it's Champions League week, but we will discuss Champions League week next week, if that's all right with you. Bye.